Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back for a belated review of Foundation Season 2, Episode 6, Why the Gods Made Wine. Story by David S. Goyer. Teleplay by Jane Evanson. Directed once again by Alex Graves. I thoroughly enjoyed this episode as well. So two, I think, very strong back-to-back episodes. Not quite as strong as the, the previous. And that is, I think, boiled down to there really wasn't much to the much to the Hober Mallow aspect of it all. But still, 9.2 out of 10, I think is very favorable. I think that what they are doing with Polly is especially well-rounded. And I'm very curious to see how long it takes to discover the full extent of Tellum's power but also how much Gale has accounted for because I do think like Tellum we're underestimating the fact that with the exception of Raish even I don't know because Raish couldn't do the math he knew the plan but he didn't actually know how it was formulated in any type of tangible understanding and Gil is his acolyte so it is interesting to me that Tellum is putting very much like all the other characters the question of faith and belief and how they differ with um with the current events or how their faith and belief is being tested i should say in the face of the current events that are unfolding which very much are protesting against their their one or the latter before we jump into the review where we listen to this podcast podbean stitcher apple podcast spotify Go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback on the next episode, which I am very much going to try to get to this weekend, blackercouch at gmail.com. So I'm going to spread this around between Ignis then go to Hober Mallow, then what's going on on Trantor. Well, actually, I think because, well, yes, I think that's going to be the order that I'm going to go into because while the episode ends on Ignis, that isn't really the lasting impression I am far more intrigued in what's going on in the in the whole political drama 
it's just so much more spicier. I guess because they have Queen Spicy. But I found myself more tickled in that situation. Within that situation, I should say. Because everyone's got just their own agendas. <laughs> and it's pretty much just just uh, kind of being the observer of who's going to pull what thread to unravel this very, very tenuous thing that they got going on together. Because <laughs> I don't trust none of them bitches. <laughs> With the exception of rooting for possibly Dawn and Sarah, mainly because... They do, despite all things considered, on the surface of things, have valid intentions. And I do mean, do want to make something of this dynasty, do something with the power that they have. Now, Dawn certainly hasn't shown in the series thus far and I know we're supposed to be starting with Ignis but finishing this thought he hasn't overly shown his um just what his political drives are but the idea that he's reading up on philosophy or reading up on certain you know bits of information one would need to be a good king so to speak and then you have him naming his servants and the the idea that he actually looked into cloud dominion there is just something a little bit more polished and mature about his idea of rain and all that coupled with <laughs> The absolute man-child that is Day. I, I, the Dynasty stole the show the first season and it continues to do so this season. So back on Ignis though, because there are some truly fascinating nuggets going on here. Harry watches the water on the beach. Once again, this show never ceases to amaze me with the cinematography. It's just beautiful. Every shot is just gorgeous. He is joined by Salvor, who is up earlier than usual. And I thought that was a good line of dialogue to show an intimacy between the characters because they haven't had as much time to build that type of bond and connection. But things like this showing that he's aware of her habits is a way to show that he cares or he cares to know her. Sauber is having weird dreams that are actually what she believes other people's leaking into her mind. Oh, no. Oh, no. You know, the odd thing is with Salvor, she doesn't seem to be too inclined to really unlock her inner mentalic because Harry makes the comment, must suck 
to be, or not must suck, but you know, I'm glad I'm not a metallic for once. And she goes to walk the beach, something she does when she can't sit still or she needs to relax or think. And I, I, I can't help but contrast her reaction to to Gail's, who's eagerly like, yeah, teach me your ways. And she's kind of like getting this unintentional reveal of power that she can see inside other people's minds even when they sleep and brushes it aside as a a mild annoyance she runs into josiah who is the absolute cutest i want to adopt him correction i want the girls and harry to adopt him Though some are already speculating this angel of a baby boy is going to be the meal growing up. And while it does make for a prototypical origin story, I just want him to be part of the family. (laughs) However, all of the red flags are there. Telepathy is something they are all gifted with, even though I think some of their skills are further along than others. I have a feeling that Josiah is very powerful, and that's why Tellum probably, I don't know, sent him (laughs) Salvor's way. Because see how good she was with the kids on Terminus? Is it a coincidence that Tellum works on Gale while seemingly leaving Salver to her own devices? I think she's sending those that would have an impact on Salver to talk to Salver and Tellum knows that she ain't it. But I think the idea that they all can speak telepathically is something that he calls the unvoicing is already a pretty high functioning superpower. While he learned how to find his pitch via Tellum, he always had the ability to read minds, which led to a very unfortunate sight. Before we get his backstory, I love that (laughs) Salver tried to connect with him by showing him her whistle. Like, I got a whistle because he blew his. And he was like, I may not know your pitch, but that's not it. (laughs) He shows her how Tellum saved him after watching his family die. By having their throat slit, by the way, he himself had his throat slit before being dumped into the pile of their and many others' bodies. Of course, the moment he realizes this is the way to get her on our side, to show her our our moments of being rescued by Talem, and she'll realize that she's a friend. And it seems very effective because he takes her by the hand 
into the camp where the other mentalics are and they all show her their memories of being rescued and i have to say the idea of speaking being rude feels very prejudice <laughs> i'm sorry i can only use my outside voice that doesn't mean i'm not a friend trauma can drive you to dark places though and that's something that while they have all escaped one dark place it doesn't mean that their emotional scars are healed i don't think that Telem is interested in rebuilding humanity once it falls she just kind of wants it to fall and it's understandable this would be a world where they're free they don't have to hide who they are they will well she figuratively thinks that they'll be safe because they'll just build up their mental abilities so that if shit ever pops off here they're gonna know don't start none won't be none but would she really be happy like the foundation like empire like any institution that wants to truly feel safe they won't feel that way unless they're the one that controls everything <laughs> where they're at a position where they feel they can't be harmed which is gonna be at top but the thing is the same issues this is why i love the expanse too because even with the fall of an empire humans are humans and they're gonna always be human in <laughs> we are always gonna have our problems whatever brings us together will always find a way to separate us and i think that it is a cynical but accurate statement based on the very history of our species and while we do we have and we continue to work on overcoming our more uh, primitive selves it is part and parcel of the dna of descending from the branch of tree in which we did when they assemble again salver understands they mean harry and gail and tell them she tells them of her joining and the relief that everyone felt to have found their savior something tell them twice mentions isn't something she's keen on liar liar whore liar whore you know it but that is exactly what she aims to be whether she wants to admit that fact or not and the idea that as a child she was worshipped as a god that type of nurturing of the mind doesn't doesn't simply fix itself you know what i mean there's gonna be some part of you that is going to retain that in my opinion or if you weren't going to do that you would not have set yourself up to be the 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 savior and the idea that there's so many of our main characters harry callie possibly dimrazel 
the genetic dynasty they all see themselves as the epicenter of power and their abilities whatever those be hairy cycle history dawn or the galactic or the cleonic empire with demrazel the empire in itself and then you have Talim here with her mentalics they're all building their their uh their armies to worship them in their pursuit of an absolute power for whatever reasons and they're all not the reasons one would expect i think when it comes to tell them her plan as she says is to stick to themselves unimpressed with cycle history or the foundation that will replace the empire these are all constructions of man that keep repeating the same cycle over again and again and again there's a disgust there there's a hatred there and that means that there's a desire for as we find out later harry understands of revenge so all of these ideas of the what's propping up these godlike people are very base human emotions that are rather compromised and not as altruistic as uh as one would in, intend or as one is being marketed which is another commonality with religion but it's very very fascinating to see each one also <laughs> wrestle with their own perception of themselves in the equation of that harry very intentional empire born into and tell them creating and I bet you she's pretty. But I'm also curious to know why the Empire himself isn't aware of mentalics. Is this something that's only going on at the Outer Reach? Was Synax in the Outer Reach? I don't believe so. That's an, another mystery. That's what I mean by Demrazel, <laughs> who's got her own thing going on. Harry asks for their help because it's in their interest as well. The meal is coming. Precognition is something Tellum doesn't feel is possible, but Salvor won't have her mama's name be smirched and encourages her to share her vision, saying, I'm okay with it. She is very much the mature adult in the relationship. Like, oh, I give you permission. <laughs> as if their relationships are flipped now tell them truly did believe there was no such thing as someone who could see into the future precognition as she says actually she said it in a different manner but i got what she was saying people are really weird about that have you noticed that sidebar online that people correct other people all the time how to say something well it's said like this and it's like you got to study language or yeah, uh, I, I actually watched this video on a voice 
coach or something to that effect he's good with accents and a whole bunch of stuff but he's a language dialect teacher whatever the point being is that the arrogance of people is so beyond measure online on social media and it's the idea that one a word can be said only one right way is so is is said to be so stupidly backwards because that's just something we made up people can say things a different way or have a a, a and i'm not saying i'm not i haven't been guilty of saying no it's said like that no I, i've said that all the time <laughs> not all the time but i've occasionally been like no i think it's said like that that was before i got myself some some uh some information that made me realize that there are ways that yeah no if you're saying uh potato instead of potato like i'm gonna get a potato like no everywhere it is potato (laughs) that's a normal correction right versus however she said the word precognition because it was different than how i'm saying it but it's due to her accent where she's from so in different regions things are just stated differently um so yeah and i think that it's very easy to tell though when that's happening versus someone just being like no that's not the word and you can always tell because i don't know they have an accent (laughs) so i it's just the attack though the idea of attacking someone for that versus being like i'm i've never heard that said like that before just a different way that we can always learn to speak to each other versus assume that we are the smartest one or the most correct one especially just because we've been taught in our american schools and we feel superior <laughs> for our most backward ass education system <laughs> like no everyone else in the world is 10 times smarter than us fucks that's for damn sure oh never be no damn uh what, what do you call like a, um if we all had to just take an intelligence test across the world <laughs> You best believe America's coming in last motherfucking place. Back to the episode. Uh, While Gail is trepidatious about opening her mind to tell him, tell him indeed does see exactly what she was meant to see. And she runs away. Likely because she truly didn't think there was anyone possible more powerful or as powerful as her i'm biasedly suspicious she tells gail what she saw is not concrete she refuses to believe in the idea of predictive paths and plants the idea that if you listen to harry the future can't be changed but i can help you change it if you give up on his perceptions this is her narrow-minded focus this entire episode (laughs) is to separate uh to remove harry's fingerprints from gail's mind she leaves with the bomb that today is salver's birthday she also 
brought up the fact that she can feel that Gail loves her daughter, but she's conflicted about that because they just met. And she's probably unsure if she's just assuming that she should love her or if she actually does love her because another part of her feels disconnected. So this is a tactic I noticed with Tellum. She goes after their emotional weakness to distract them from picking up on the fact that she don't answer no fucking questions. Because I said, what are we going to do about this threat? The thing is, if it's a collective, like she says with the rest of Metallics, all of them should be deciding on their fate. They should have all been presented with this case and given a choice in whether or not to to follow. And I think that's my biggest issue with Tellum is I'm not sure how much free will that she is allowing here. And I don't mean they're all under her prison, just she nudges them in a certain direction to where she wants them to go when they may possibly not be on her page like it feels like there's a certain manipulation going on and then it's a and it's an emotional one sour finds harry once again by the beach and while he should be more afraid being the oddest man out he knows gail will handle tell him and that he isn't welcome he'll just make things worse he has a lot of faith in gail considering this later conversation (laughs) about the idea that she did something almost unforgivable it feels like to him but he has a great deal of confidence in his fingerprints on her so to speak on her mind He has no doubt, as he mentions at the end of the episode, while drowning, I haven't lost faith. And I love that Polly explains the difference. Harry's still dealing with his human body once more, like I can put my feet in water. Sour's like, yeah, you're in that human body that Callie gave you. Aren't you wondering why she gave you that body? He surmises in all Messiah literature, there's death and resurrection. But she points out he got that with the vault, hence the religion. She believes that someone knew he would reduce everyone to numbers and thinks that they gave him a body so he has actual skin in the game. Something I was considering as well. When you're human, you have a chance or him being human once again after dying brings up regrets, brings up repressed emotions, brings up a lot of information, it would seem, about what influenced, will further influence his cycle history, which is very interesting and different from the books because there was no Yana. And I like what they're doing with that because it does put a bit of the idea that Harry said himself is that gods are not just uh, giving loving they're also wrathful (laughs) 
Harry says, you don't like me, do you? I didn't say that, but I did not say that. <laughs> but she does think his influence over Gail has morphed her into his emotional clone or more like the uh, the frigid version of himself and that she needs to remember there's people on those planets that she's trying to save. She sees entirely too much of Gale in Harry. And because they both come from sort of the same emotional bit of... Because that's a, a common trait, right? Between Hober and Hober. Hober? Hober. Hobar Mallow <laughs> and... Gail and Harry and Raish. Well, I, I can't speak for Raish because I don't know his story. Well, I know his story from the book, but I don't know what they're doing in the show. They all have fucked up relationships with their fathers. Yeah, Gail's daddy may have let her hug him and say, Go, child, but don't forget his last actual words were, I hope they kill you or some shit like that. <laughs> He was not at all supportive. <laughs> Harry brings up Gail did something cruel to him. And while she didn't think he'd be awake, it only means she didn't think it through because it's easier to be angry than face the truth, which is that Raish knew that they were doomed. He kept it to himself and he continued to be in a relationship with her. Whereas Harry didn't know until that night. So I had no idea this was happening. And as you recall in the first season, their relationship was on the DL. I like this little nugget because there's this idea that people that can be geniuses must also be, oh, I'm going to say the word wrong. I'm omniscient, omniscient. I think that's the right way to say it. And that's not the case. Being smart doesn't mean you can't fuck up. Being smart doesn't mean you're not, you can't, it's impossible for you to be emotionally compromised. I think people equate too readily <laughs> one's level of intelligence to be somehow, uh, to make them more or less likely to be infallible and that's simply not the case i mean it's good thing it's not the case i think i've talked about this before feels familiar and another topic like what you you think that it's a good thing that people are taken down because of their hubris <laughs> their overconfidence their cockiness or their ability to see one thing and not see the other thing everyone has a flaw no one is a hundred percent on their game and sometimes things work out for them just because fucking luck it's not always the idea of someone knowing the future knowing every little detail of the future because you can't you can't be everywhere all at once isn't that a movie so Harry being on the ship, being around Raish and Gail and not being aware that his number two 
was emotionally compromised was probably a shock to him as well which is why he probably accelerated his plan he also may have truly and i go back and forth on this but i think that's because i'm having cognitive cognitive dissonance between the book and the show but that he did in fact realize on the ship that holy shit I should probably not be here. <laughs> like I knew it was going to die, but he probably didn't know the exact moment that that lever was going to be pulled or maybe not pulled in that particular manner. Cause I think he was already sick, right? If memory serves that all to say, <laughs> Harry is basically saying Gail punished me when in fact the person she truly wanted to unleash her fury at was Raish because the heart wanted what the heart wanted and didn't think of the collateral damage that her heart would have felt particularly left in that manner and the idea that he would have been alive. That's fucked up. So there is a betrayal there. And while there is a betrayal of Harry, I think she understands that one a, a, a lot more than she does Rache's because she understands psychohistory. And I think that Harry assuring her that as long as you're by her side because Gail cares about how you perceive her that she herself won't get lost in the plan but is it a cautionary thing to say will Salver always be by her side and in her absence will she like if they split for some reason because I still feel as if Salvor is gonna want to live a normal life she feels like she doesn't want to stay here even though she warmed up to the idea of these people as not being a threat she's not sipping the kool-aid in the same manner that gail is because she doesn't even seem to be interested in that side like oh okay i have this special ability that's cool useful but her mind is a little bit back on terminus and we'll follow back up with that in a minute because Harry himself wonders at her feelings there. Tellum comes to the beggar and waits to be invited in, even though she clearly wanted to be invited in. The way Gail touched her head with the door slamming shut feels like Tellum is trying to, or did in that moment, invade her mind. I'm trying to pay attention to the camera angles and the framing but the idea that she was moving around in ways she couldn't possibly told me that this was reconstructed in her mind and not something that was actually happening in that room or it was but it wasn't you know what i mean kind of like oh i forgot that name the character's name never mind let's just move on she probably narrowed down Gail because she knows that out of everyone else, because she read Salver very easily, like, yeah, 
she knows where the prime radiant is. <laughs> but Gail actually knows where it's hidden. So now she's focusing all her energy on her. She apologizes as going after Harry, which is essentially Gail's father figure, isn't going to help tell him win her to her side. So she tries a different tact, which isn't too much of a different tact, but that is neither here nor there. She wants to save people. Well, I suppose it's a plan minus Harry, right? So I wasn't interested in doing the whole help people, but tell you what, I want to save people who deserve to be saved, i.e. my people. You can't make that call. If you are picking and choosing who deserves to be saved, you are, in fact, the villain. Psychohistory may be unempathetic, but it isn't selective, as Homer Mallow's name is placed on the vault. <laughs> Touche. Gail looked at the desk where she was dissembling something, and I was like, yep, that's the Prime Radiant. And since they showed us what the Prime Radiant looks like, and how it can be hidden in plain view. Of course, that's exactly what she does. And I have a feeling that she is talking to Harry. Or did she just figure that shit out by herself? Because if anyone could get up in your head and get into your memories and, and, and he lets her into this memory, then yeah. She points out recruiting more people is something they can do. They have a few ships. Gail can help them with others. They do this in limited capacity and she entertains the idea of working together for the same goal in a different manner. She gets more mentalics to rescue. Gail can tweak her timelines. Might even be righteous as she takes a sip of water, but no Harry Selden. Gail points out this is a very weird way to offer an apology for something that you just brought up once again she tells gail she has a uniquely singular mind that she would like to take a walk around throwing water at her her strong connection to water combined with the barnacle grounded the illusion and with more you do better with said illusion which is how they were able to get lorraine to to basically play hugo in uh salver's mind she tries to get her to see that the mule didn't harm her her mind felt what she wanted it to do the same as picking up the steel pole that she does to hit her with she's trying to convince her that her vision isn't something that was attacking her it was something she was reacting to and thus she has more control over its ultimate outcome is that what i'm understanding i could be totally wrong on that part i'm not sure i mean it was a pretty cool back and forth between them but i am going to need to listen to some podcasts because <laughs> i'm behind upset she ends up using the force to knock tell him back for her part the prophetess isn't alarmed but intrigued at how quick she learns 
And I'm thinking, well, maybe she learned a little quicker than you may have realized. She offers her her children as she isn't well. That one cough was supposed to indicate that you're sick. She did indicate that she also fears death. I wonder if that was an admission of free will or not. I can't tell. When they're having these little mental battles, I don't know. Saying she can call them the second foundation. Like, look, I, you can even call this place the second foundation if a catchier name doesn't come along. But she wants her to be her successor. Like, these people will follow you. And I'm like, how can you just make that assumption? <laughs> it's only been two days. What do you mean they're going to follow her? She hasn't done anything to encourage them to follow her. It's a pretty big statement unless you can get them to follow her. Back on the beach, Harry shows Salver how to fish, noticing she doesn't like sitting still. She patrols to relax. He points out it must be difficult knowing that the second crisis is coming, yet she's focused on the third and she would rather be on Terminus. That feels as if it's her home. And I, I really wonder if that's where she would rather, a part of her would rather be. Is there going to be something that separates, despite her love for and vice versa? Because it's brought up in this episode about how Gail won't morph into Harry if he simply, if she simply stays by her side, that she will find her way back to Terminus, which would, uh, I don't know how that would be, how that would go down. Cause she's got already got a, a statue to her and we know about statues honoring people. <laughs> It's quite a symbol of something in itself. She's confident Terminus will win. And that type of confidence, I think, speaks a lot for her continued belief, not faith, in psychohistory. I believe I'm saying that right. Because she's seen. She's seen the first crisis. She's saw how psychohistory helped through the first crisis there's no doubt that harry's plan is worthy and is something they should follow there's no debate in her mind about that what she is uneasy about is setting up a second foundation to fight the first foundation which harry explains really isn't it they're not being set up to be enemies they're set up to be big brother like i'm just gonna prod you here when necessary you know stop you from making the same mistakes as before while allowing you to believe that you know you're doing everything of your own free will <laughs> a god replaces a god replaces a god uh, everyone's gotta have a check and balance i suppose but that could be an endless cycle. I know it was brought up. Well, what about a third foundation? Because if you have a second, then you would must have a third. And I think that that is kind of nonsensical talk. I mean, I understand why the question would be there. Don't get me wrong. 
but it is one of those rabbit holes that it's more like it's the story that's what he set up that there's going to be a foundation that checks the other foundation and they're not going to know about the second foundation because no one knows about the second foundation that's how secret it is it is not something meant to be known about just because we ourselves know about it doesn't mean and then i know what you're thinking what keeps them in check i think if you get to a certain point like say an android that's bound by laws that haven't been introduced in the show yet but might be according to david goyer because i did listen to that interview um there there is there is a an epicenter that you can get for humanity that basically can live under certain laws that are checked can check each other that's always the goal right (laughs) and in in a way we've kind of done it maybe not in this exact same manner to the manner anyone would uh i'm kind of rambling at this point but my point is (laughs) is that what i think the show and asimov was getting at is that the uh there is a part where man and machine can come together and create some type of person being whatever in the future that has the capability to be able to manage that and i think that you just gotta go with it i don't know why i got off on that side tangent (laughs) Just felt like I wasted three minutes of my life. I can't get back. The Vault Harry has been edited. The Prophet. He only knows part of the plan. So who whispered in his ear about Hobor Mallow? And is it possible that that Harry can be influenced? Or is it just this Harry that told him about Hobor Mallow? A ghost. Calais still out there but after this information I think Harry would be the most because he admits you know the prime radiant being the connective tissue between the vault and Selden Selden could peek in on his limited persona to keep him tempered without him knowing the prime radiant exists outside of space and time he thinks he has the real one but in fact Harry Selden does they catch a fish well sour catches a fish and it's a touching granddaughter grandfather moment she was so cute we caught caught a fish tell him appears with gail she tells harry look i'm gonna take the lead on this one i'm gonna need you to back off and he says what did she tell you did she tell you that she could change what's gonna happen to Salvor? like that's not your obvious weakness you can't trust the one who is so very obviously controlling your mind those don't even sound like words you would say why are you standing so close to her like you're her puppet the question is did gail allow her to think that she is controlling her because she would not have pulled i think the mood the move she pulled at the end if she didn't think she had Gail in the bag 
and because of how freaked out she was when gail when she was inside of gail's mind i think she was afraid of having a rival because how it goes down when you look in the looking glass you can see someone looking back at you and while gail should have been the one asking why is she bringing up some incident that happened on helicon she doesn't it's salvor who goes and checks on harry when he walks off and why wouldn't gail run after harry it didn't sound or feel as if gail was in control but it almost felt as if she was purposely with her eyes trying to convey something that her mouth and her mind would not allow could be totally wrong on this however she had a chance to leave harry behind and do her own thing she actually could have accomplished everything that she wanted at this moment by leaving harry where he was and despite her best intentions to leave harry behind she went back and got him something i think calais was testing here they were at their polar opposites emotional baggage and anger and rage between them and still he did she did not abandon him so the idea that tell him is going to have one conversation and be able to that thoroughly overtake her when she herself knows what's at stake and now she has the weight of what her actions allowed to happen for the sound second foundation to not be formed i think that Telem is fully underestimating gail in the way that day maybe esther underestimating demerzel and queen seraph there's a lot of thinking that you have the upper hand of on your enemy when really the enemy has the upper hand on you and they're allowing you to show them their cards i'm sure there's something that can be gained from seeming like you're an ally of tell them the first being hey you just pushed me to do something like use the force that i didn't know i could do before and now that combined with my precognition what else you been seeing lately girlfriend she's also trying to break the emotional hold that that harry has over gail Sabra always the diplomat she says maybe we should all just take a, a break everyone go have some tea do some yoga harry walks off salver catches up to him to say that he's needed but he knows that Telem is in his head gouging out memories to paralyze him and he may still be under her influence hence the blurry screen he tells her the prime radiant is hidden on the beggar something i would not think he would tell her 
It feels as if there's words coming out of his mouth and manners that he would not himself have easily let slip. It won't look like itself, he tells her, and to protect Gail. Sauer is distracted about her concerns regarding Harry when she finds Gail uh, by Gail's present, which is a piece of fruit for her birthday. Tellum told her she wants to thank her parents, Gail, for raising her and wonders what it would have been like if she had been there for her before Sauber gives her a hug. And that's once again that Tellum has distracted from things like protecting the Prime Radiant and Salvor investigating what's going on on this island with their relationship like yeah, just focus on this stuff through the binoculars it appears that harry has left with the beggar that contains the same prime radiant that they're after i think not <laughs> and you would think both salver and gail would be fully aware of that fact well, if they're supposed to be believed, he took the Prime Radiant with him. But would he really have gone that easily, walked away that easily? They know this man. They know him too well. But it's another very strong, powerful illusion, illuminating to the audience just how powerful these mentalics are, how they can deceive people what would make them a huge huge threat and a huge huge ally <laughs> but of course it's gonna breed someone who's not gonna quite see the world the way in which others will aka i was down with Tellum's plan to kill everybody not kumbaya and help guide them all peace and like shit Harry is tied in the water, set to be drowned after Tellum points out that she has no need of his plan. She has Gale, who is a true seer. So that brings us back to Cynex, the seers of Cynex, the one seer on Chantor that's now dead. But that would explain why Salvor and Gale have this have this uh, ability it's passed through blood it's genetic so were all of the synaxes or just some synaxes seers and then they kind of become became heretical and decided not to pursue knowledge i feel like there's a whole backstory on synax we need to hear about his kind ain't shit and she isn't a murderer which is the reasons that Tellum gives like my people will know that we only kill when we need to kill I'm gonna get them to believe whatever the fuck I want to which is why for all the evil that that his kind is being accused of he says you're a fucking hypocrite they'll find the prime radiant and destroy it with the confidence that Gail and Salver won't find out or they'll just integrate into society just fine and he says i still have faith 
As he begins to drown, his life flashes before his eyes. As a child, and then he read, yeah, I thought it was a little weird we randomly got his backstory in this manner. <laughs> but because it was life flashing before his eyes, it made more of a uh, thematical sense. As a child, he recalls watching a herd of ferocious beasts. I forgot what they're called. He calculates how to walk directly through them, having noticed their pattern. But his parents are not amused. Was well, mother's fucking freaking out before his father just smacks him in the face. And for once, you know, while I don't condone smacking your child in the face, I might have had a similar like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you just don't go <laughs> giving people heart attacks like that no 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 we need a discussion first but it is to emphasize his father was just a jerk then we skip however many years and jared harris has hair and it doesn't feel normal on helicon he is a professor he's beginning to develop his cycle history it is something that has already caught the the uh, attention of the empire because of how i suppose uh, what's the word i'm looking for of uh, the rhetoric that he's saying you know like emperors will fall will fall and she's like uh yeah you can't say that about an empire well it's true they do <laughs> But seeing this Harry, he's very, this Harry reminds me of the book Harry. He's very, uh, you know, a hammer. It's <laughs> the only way I can describe it at this particular moment. He's bullheaded. He, he wants his way. He, he doesn't, he's not a, a, a fan of the empire. At least he's not a poster chart, poster child fan of the empire this very much does line up with the books of him doing his lecture and then he meets his life partner yana who signed up to work with him on his research on psychohistory because he be she believes in it and soon they become lovers it's her idea to put the information in his equations into a quantum computer then she gifts him with a heart monitor charm of her and the baby that she is carrying. He is being watched by what seems like a man in a coat and a top hat. And I'm calling it now. That's Demerzo. I don't know why she would be a man, but I'm going to guess it's a disguise. <laughs> if I was going out in the streets and everyone knows what I look like, I would be in a disguise, right? And we saw that this person in the hat was talking to his supervisor, the head of the, the head of the university. And she comes in like, look, the empire is offering you a position to work at Sterling University, you and Yana on Trantor so that the empire can basically monitor his work for his own purposes, of course something that harry does not want because 
he doesn't feel the empire should be able to use his information to predict the future in the book this is made more clear and i'm not giving too many spoilers it's just a little quick difference uh but i think it it, it does fall in line with the first season uh so it's not really a bookstore that's just tying them all together which is that he wanted to at first use psychohistory for his own purposes he thought he could predict the future and he wanted to kind of support that like yeah yeah if i can have something in my hands that can predict the future you damn well i want that so the offer to Streeling university is his first chance to say hey just work for me under me so that i have the information because right now he can't access the information because there even points out like you don't even hide the fact that you're rummaging through my office and the head of the university says well your information is technically the property of the university and thus it doesn't belong to you it belongs to the empire in itself and she even says we are all empire something harry box her about she is asked iana to convince him harry is very callous after hearing that his boss is probably being threatened with death if she doesn't bring harry selden or the device that he has been working on and they haven't been able to get their hands on and he says well she made her decision now fuck that bitch fuck that bitch fuck that bitch if my answers frighten you vincent then you should cease asking scary questions in harry's eyes he is only focused on what he is creating i think his mind is wrapped up and has always been wrapped up and has taken solace in his math so much so that the idea that this person has an impossible decision and you're not making it easier on her which will further complicate and escalate the situation just because you wouldn't swallow your distaste at the at the at the prospect all of those are intriguing choices for the character but tells us a lot about said character yana tells him being up against the ribs of the empire is the best place to slide in the knife part of me wonders because we know and i'm not saying that this is the case just throwing this out there but we do know that there are folks on transor in other places that they have been against the empire and once he did that lecture on psycho history it was very clear that he was someone that uh would be like the empire saw a valuable asset like we need this guy and so her coming along maybe is she a part of that class of people that was also associated with the the gardener from season one who contaminated 
the genetic dynasty uh dynasty dynasty that's one of those words that can be said two different ways uh those are our questions because she redirects his anger you know hey instead of being angry about this it's an opportunity this is gonna further our goals and she quotes oh gosh i forgot his name goker the gods made wine to compensate those who can't afford revenge yana tells him he needs to hide the prime radiant and that someone fighting for their life is willing to do much to save it you're not accounting for the very human variable she sees his feelings of distaste uh i think i already stated that and maybe influencing because we going back to those nudges there's a lot of themes that keep playing out for how he can find revenge but while that's uh that's maybe a goal of his his work comes more he's like i'd suffocate if i'm there he cares about the work it's in his office the next day he feels the accelerated heartbeat of yana before there is no more and since his boss showed up at her door with a gun we can guess what happened harry is devastated he gets a call telling him to meet up with his boss with the prime radiant in exchange for yana's safe return harry had sent a message before he got into the car with her saying here's the prime radiant because she shows her shows him a hologram of his wife saying that she's alive he gets in the car and instead of getting in the other car that was going to take him to his wife which was most likely an ambush to murder him as well he takes her to a separate destination he had hacked into the the taxi is that a taxi i don't know it's a self-driving car it looks sweet it looked very comfortable back there it looks like you can have sex in that car and actually sit down and have a cigarette afterwards or you know a blunt whatever you prefer but this is all a ploy like hey there's a rock in that bag it's not actually the prime radiant and hey i'm gonna take you to that place so that you can die in the very worst manner and no one's gonna find your corpse (laughs) her name was dr ashita or something like that she should have known that was coming the more he kept saying she's not alive i know she's not alive well how can you tell (laughs) the fact that she was walking out there and she lost one of her shoes it just shows one how fear can uh can truly but it's not even just fear because we know how harsh the empire is instead of seeing her as a 
well, I guess in his mind, I suppose he felt, well, you shouldn't have been telling the Empire, but isn't that what she's supposed to do? <laughs> she's controlled by the Empire. She's only doing what was going to keep her safe. What was going to protect hers, her and hers. And she explains that it was an accident effectively. Like, I didn't mean for that to happen. Which I bet she didn't, but as she kept getting her back pushed against the wall further and further, and then Yana wouldn't give up the information, she killed her. And while she tried to at first push it off as just, oh, the gun went off. It was, it was more than just that. So he ends up sending these, what do you call them? The something dogs to go get the... The horror that's coming her way so that she is murdered. <laughs> and she makes the comment, we'll die together. And he says, I should. So I think part of Harry died that day. A huge part of Harry. And people became just numbers to him. And knowing that him finishing psycho history was eschewed by this very this very cold and calculated rage at the empire for the loss of not only his life partner but his unborn child a child that she was not aware that that the homegirl was carrying she said what child and then that's when he showed her the proof like uh she didn't believe in marriage she said it was a certificate for the empire but she did believe in creating life together so what does it mean that harry's plan was forged not in any real altruism, but in the Empire's sure destruction and his own supplanting of that as the new, basically, Empire of the Galaxy. Because the foundation is essentially that. <laughs> it's going to save everyone. It's going to keep everything from happening. It's going to be the thing that that's uh, built up to replace what falls in its place. You know, when the empire goes. He goes to Sterling University and we see the guy from season one. That was with Gail. Gorek Takara. That's his name. He grabs that book says it's a weird thing to ask for and it's another reiteration that he walked on to Trantor all those years ago a completely changed man with one thing on his mind above all else let's go to Hober Mallow because his scenes are very brief he follows Harry's coordinates the spirits jump to their destination where there doesn't seem to be anything until a large ship appears. 
Once on board, he realizes he's been sent to the spacers home and they call it the swarm. Oh, I knew it. Because this is a smart tactic to take away the uh, ability for the empire to move. I figured that's where he had to be going. And we saw a spacer on the ship with Bel Rios. And we've kind of wanted to know more about them. So this is going to be interesting because the Whisper ship makes them effectively eventually obsolete. Their technology seems to be a little bit more efficient more people can get a hold of them and it doesn't involve human slavery in effect uh if they stick with the empire they're going down with that ship (laughs) so uh, whatever he proposes is gonna sound like a good plan because you're already at the point where and i even think that she who bends light mentioned that that the that the uh relationship between empire and spacers haven't necessarily been the greatest let's end our recap with the events and going ons on trantor brother constant is fascinating by she uh she shines brightly which is a spacer who is genetically engineered but is still human They were begun by the Empire, as stated previously, a full 600 years ago. And she makes it clear they're a slave population to an effect by saying our servitude was forged. I'm going to take a pause right there to give a lot of kudos to the casting and David S. Goyer, because the the color palette in this show is spectacular by color palette i do mean the racial uh the racial variety of speaking characters (laughs) uh i just want a round of applause because it's not unnoticed it's not unnoticed at all and we continue to bring in more people of color in speaking lines and i really do appreciate it because it it, this world feels more tangible to me effectively they were created but do consider themselves the same species kind of reminds me of belters (laughs) i know i'm making expanse references but a i love that show best sci-fi show ever but b because they were some uh, you know genetically modified humans is something that is discussed in the expanse but they also had spacers who were simply changed by the environment that are human but not quite human the center of the universe polly says is a black hole not the empire even though that may be a myth too constant can't imagine a place like this falling but polly knows that it will take a while yet for the decay to reach the heart but it begins in the outer reach not to mention it is in fact decaying within the heart itself or is it (laughs) i never know with these people 
Constance says something weird once they're walking through customs, which is never would I imagine I'd see a place or see this place again. Followed by, I imagined this place when I was a child. What the hell did you just say? Why is she talking to herself? <laughs> I, I couldn't explain why, why she said that. Then she's like, that's weird. I, it was. Polly announces he's here to open diplomatic relations, but is told the empire no longer recognizes the outer reach as part of his empire, aka the barbarian worlds. He is given a visa, though, since Polly's like, well, I'm here to change your mind. But notice when Constant went through the detectors, it didn't give a white clear like with Polly. I don't know what that means, but something's up with Constant. He tells them missionary work comes with perks, so we are not going to the hotel. That boring stuff. We're going to party on the prophet's account. I love he partied and then decided to get sober. (laughs) Let me get one more smash in. They get back to the hotel later with Polly drunker than ever. Constant was cute when she said, look at those, look at the nibbles. At first I thought she said, look at the nipples. <laughs> oh, it's just a weird way to say snacks. Look at the nibbles. But I'm now going to use that because it's the cutest. While Constant marvels at the view, Polly imagines that they are flying in a caravan I I love that despite his religious robes, he is all about the display of power. Polly asked Constant to flush his drugs. She was going to be supportive too. Like, you want me to go get your drugs for you? No, just just flush them because I'm a high. I'm a high on the prophet's juice. He tells her her faith was pure. Polly believed what he saw. And that there's a difference between belief and faith because belief is being there, touching it, watching it happen before your very eyes. But her generation, all she got was the stories. She didn't have the tangible experience to rely on. And while he believes that um i love that line from him you've always had faith constant and it puts my belief to shame he realizes that faith is the bigger commitment so harry saying i still have faith is him saying i'm still committed to the plan i had before but is he Just as he makes this distinction, he sees the person who gave them the visa with other soldiers because his back was turned watching that view. And they arrest him. They already got constant. Worst time ever to show up in the empire. They should have read some newspapers about what was going on. (laughs) Day is so insecure. No way in hell is he going to not make at least an example out of one of them. And my faith is on constant still. I think Polly is supposed to represent the loss of religion in the face of fully understanding code calculation. Let's not have this, uh, this illusion of the prophet being a God that 
must be worshipped and followed without hesitation that's the thing about religion right you don't question anything you just do what you believe is the best and while they believe in the plan you know uh (laughs) i think self-preservation kind of comes in there at some point what's the you know what do i have to risk uh, the individualation, individual, that's the word I'm looking for. So I'm scared still for Constant because I really do like her character. And I like her more each episode. I was instantly in love with her, like a lot of people were. But I do really think that she's a just genuinely good person. And that someone that is a genuinely good person would pay the price for Harry's spark, if you will, and that she's the daughter of the mayor of Terminus who's itching to start war. No wonder he told them to prepare for war because they are prepared. They are super prepared for war, but he doesn't want that to be the message right because if you just strike first at the empire well then you're the aggressor you're the villain you're upsetting the balance but if the empire comes against you well then now you've got grievance i came here i was being nice i was offering up away because remember they went away supposedly under the the blessing of the empire which is why the one guy in the first season wanted to just call the empire up to protect them so in, in their minds, hey, I'm showing up saying we're still part of you just because our shit's better. We, we, we did it with your blessing, remember? Remember, you said we can go there. You just bandaged us there. But now, look, I'm coming here. I want to work with you. Unfortunately, there's been an assassination attempt and he's super, super, super a mommy's boy. Day greets those in the Emporium, which equates that of a Roman Colosseum for violence and sport. He also towers over the Galactic Council. I love the choice of that shot. It made him feel like a god among men, (laughs) even not only as Empire, but in his physical form. Dust says they smell blood in the water. But I think that Day brought him here because he wanted to uh, thump his dick on him. Like, hey, guess what I'm about to do? I'll make this announcement in case any of y'all don't know what's about to go down. I think he wants to show, he needs an audience when he wants to show strength. Day recalls this place was built for the Empress Winneset, whose memory fell victim to neglect, but was the last Empress before the Cleonic dynasty took over. With a statue, he honors her, while Dawn and Queen Seraph decide this is a great time to eyefuck. Hey, how you doing, love mama? Let me whisper in your ear. Tell you something that you might like, dear. Got a six-ass body. Right in front of Day's salad. On your engagement announcement. I just found that hilariously funny. (laughs) 
Because she's in the middle of swearing eternal vows to this man. <laughs> and here she is. And Dawn's like, you know, kind of into this. <laughs> he does not back down. First, he's kind of like, is she? She really is. Mm, I'm turned on. And then I looked over at Day like, is this motherfucker wearing chain mail? <laughs> he thinks he's some damn Roman gladiator. He makes me laugh so much because he is definitely an archetypal male. <laughs> and he would be. I think that's the perfect example of just someone born into so much power they don't even fucking know what to do. But fully incapable of embracing it. He feels like a fraud. He knows he's a fraud on the inside. And he continues to for anyone smart enough to see show how much he's vulnerable uh when it comes to his pride but i think seraph is drawing a little too much blood here he introduces seraph as the new empress and has those bow before her while dust chokes on what <laughs> he ate for lunch <laughs> especially when he announces that he's ending the genetic dynasty for those who didn't hear it in the back so they are aware but i still don't know if they know he intends to unplug their clones he thinks it's a good idea we heard last episode that don will have his own life so he's okay with that part of it i think he could live with that but is he truly fully on board with all of them being gone or maybe if Demrazel's down with it what can I do note that Demrazel touched her salt bracelet the minute he said I'm going to destroy the genetic dynasty that is dissonance cognitive dissonance in my humble opinion and that is her remembering Zephyr Halima's words you have a soul you have agency you can fight back against the empire as your prime directive and that felt as if she was remembering that strength to do so and not react against that even idea of my interpretation though at least we ate well while the feast was on still a funny line i'm still confused if the prime august one can lower the ceiling on them once uh he hears about this but i suppose if you are intending to end the dynasty what does it matter like hey you can you can decide to unplug it or i can unplug it one way or the other the way day looked at demerzel with the puppy eyes did i do good mommy fucking embarrassing boy you for someone who hates dust for his dependency on Dimrazel, it's ironic that he would be even more of a molded puppy in her hands i feel like dust was simply he just said fuck it <laughs> i don't want to do the hard stuff <laughs> i want to i want to relax have fun seduce people in the garden i don't i don't want to do the, the 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 hard stuff don can't keep his eyes observing Seraph. My girl. My girl. 
who walks to the podium to give her own speech about not being wed to one man but to the empire itself to its people whose requests are their obligations whose needs are their agenda and whom they serve and love the reaction from the public is great they love her they're like oh shit we might have someone here Dawn looking like bitch maybe i should marry you especially after the look on day's face that says <laughs> what the fuck do you think you're doing <laughs> he always has this look of i want to punch you in the throat but i also want to screw you on a bench even though i can't get it up rue definitely looked concerned until she ended and saw that her words were met with applause but i think that she too is like girl you keep forgetting you're dealing with a vindictive child okay he's gonna stomp his feet and react eventually especially now that you have accepted his offer mind you it's not like you could say no dust chick chuckling though in spite was the icing on the cake he's like <laughs> yeah she gonna be a problem <laughs> and you know what you deserve it you deserve all of it day gives demerzel a look as they were walking away because he he put his hand out you know because of course he can capitalize on that right okay well you know i'll own that as if i had a part in you saying that but then she doesn't take his hand and he has to be like, bitch. <laughs> and then she finally does. And he definitely said, okay, I'm gonna need you to control this. The situation is not handled. You better get your Olivia Pope on because she is not handled. So I'm kind of scared for you, Queen Sarah. <laughs> A little terrified for your reaction. Clearly he can't get rid of you. But he can make your life fucking miserable. And that is something you need to take into account. But she also feels like she has zero fucks to give. We do not care. I'm back with respecting her. I will say while Dust certainly looks at her, you know, of course, with a little bit of romantic inclination, he also does with a, uh, at least in my opinion, a calculation. Because if this is supposed to be more in line with a more uh, sophisticated brother day when he was in his prime years, he's not dumb to how you can utilize someone politically. And right now, with where they're at in the in the dynasty and now with what day is planning if i still want my spot afterwards i'm looking at seraph like okay she is amendable but she also is smart and savvy she knows how to work people that's an asset i can utilize not just as a romantic power but as a queen 
I think it would be different to see because we've seen the tyrant day. We've seen the man child day to see an absolute tolerant, good monarch. Cause even as the Roman empire was falling, there were a few good guys. I forgot one of the guys who, who made some stability for a few years because he was able to better, uh, you know, just better handle things, particularly with the public that kept things afloat. Like he paid the army and he did other things to, to, to make sure that the kingdom was stable. So while I, I think the empire is going to fall no matter what, cause we got those a hundred and something, something years. Now we have a chance to go through at least one more, even two more, maybe possibly. Cause I think they die with like 90. Yeah, almost two more genetic dynasties, or at least, yeah. We could see this dawn turn into day, and we could possibly see another dawn day dusk. Because if we dispatch another dawn, so on and so forth. So I, I, I'm curious if they're really going to end it, or if they're going to just have one more, and at the end of the season, Demerzel's still going to be because I don't think that she's going anywhere. I think she's going to be party. I think I said that earlier in the season that she might be going somewhere, but I think that she really is a hundred percent behind empire and that her being for the genetic dynasty is going to be the true change. That is my thoughts on this episode, much longer than I thought on this podcast. <laughs> If you have uh, feelings, thoughts, opinions, disagreements, blackhercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave those comments below. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. Until the next time, peace, hair grease, and black girl magic. Correct.